Hello, I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. In 2008, I gave up my 20-year career as a fashion buyer because I was disillusioned with how much product was being sourced overseas and I set out to uncover some of the amazing businesses that were still making in Britain. Since founding Make It British, I've discovered that there is not only still tons of manufacturing taking place in the UK, but that it's a thriving industry. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be telling the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and manufacturers and offering advice to those that want to make in the UK. So with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Make It British podcast. I am out and about today. I am sitting here with Adam Mansell, who is the CEO of the UKFT um, in their head office in central London. Um, Adam, I can't believe we've got to episode 29 and I've only just got you on the podcast. I'm, I'm a little disappointed, I have to I say. <laughs> so um, do you want to just tell everyone a little bit about what the UKFT, actually I've used your shortening, tell us what the full the, name of it is the first. UK Fashion and Textiles Association. So... We are the umbrella body for the industry. We've got about two and a half thousand members that represents everything from spinners and weavers up in Scotland all the way through to importers, wholesalers, uh, brands. And quite recently, we've just taken over looking after the dry cleaning industry as well. So we really do represent the whole of the supply chain for the, for the industry. We do two things, basically. One um, is a business support organisation, so we help businesses in all sorts of different ways. Uh, and the other one is the lobbying role, so we're the voice of the industry. So uh, you can imagine what I've been talking about to government, both here in, uh, in Brussels for the past two and a half, three years. But you have a background in politics, don't you? So you're well-placed to talk to these MP people. Yes, I have, I've spent most of my career talking to them, and that's what I sort of started uh, my career doing, is, is working for MPs and did a degree in politics and all that sort of stuff. So I must be one of the only people in the world whose degree actually has helped them in their job. So I think it's really good, though, that you represent textiles with Parliament. What, um, what do you think is the one main message you're trying to get across to them at the moment in these meetings that you sit at with them for the it's, textile industry? It's the, same, it's the same message that we've been trying to put across ever since, since the day after the, the referendum vote, is the need for certainty, the need for government to provide the framework in which all of our companies can carry on operating doesn't matter what your politics are, the reality is that the uncertainty is hurting business and we need that uncertainty to stop. So do you find that a lot of your members are feeling um, a little bit uncertain at the moment? Obviously, if they are feeling uncertain, but what, how are you reassuring them? There's, well, I mean, are they feeling uncertain? Yes, they are. Um, there's instances, we've had lots of instances, it's key sell selling season at the moment, as all of your listeners will know, we've had... Um, lots of examples of people not placing orders at European shows with UK companies because they don't know what the tariff rate's going to be, for instance. We've had problems with companies having issues at um, the borders where there shouldn't be any borders and there shouldn't be any issues at the moment. Um, we, just before Christmas, we released our Brexit checklist and last week we updated that, which is all about the practical steps that companies should be taking now to ensure that they can carry on trading in a stress-free-ish way uh, come the first, come the end of 29th of March. Okay, well, what I'll do, I'll put a link to that because that's really handy, your Brexit checklist in the show notes. But do you want to give us a few pointers? So, so if I'm listening into this and I'm manufacturing in the UK, I've got a brand I make in the UK and I'm already exporting, what are the 
three things that I should be doing now to prepare myself? You need to firstly register for an EORI number um, and all the links for that will be on our, the, the stuff we can send through to you. That will mean that when there are customs issues, it's a lot easier to do it. That It's an incredibly straightforward form to fill in. It's all done online. There are literally about four questions for you to, to answer and register and you need to do that now. That's the first thing to do. The second thing to do is to communicate. Let your um, buyers and your suppliers, because obviously this is an issue for both exporting and importing, know exactly what you're doing, how you're doing it, have you considered tariffs, all those sorts of things. That communication piece is absolutely key. So you don't think it, you think there's, it's actually quite minimal work when you said there, so we shouldn't be too concerned. I didn't say, I said no, <laughs> registering for the ORI number, which is the thing you really need to be doing now, is yeah. very straightforward. Um, the, 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 it's a bit like there's a Dick Cheney speech about the known knowns and then the unknown unknowns. You know, there are so many things where we don't yet know what the answer are going to be. Um, I'm in talking to government pretty much all the time at the moment about you know what are we going to do about rolling over the uh, trade agreements that we have currently through our membership of, of the EU, Japan being a good prime example. The Japan-EU free trade agreement has literally come on stream last week, um, which is great news. Uh, for instance, you know, it would mean that some of our handbag manufacturers would be able to sell their um, handbags into Japan and the duty rate drops by 10% overnight and will okay. carry on reducing. Now, currently, we're still a member of the EU, so currently we still get access to that free trade agreement. We need, we're trying to lobby very hard to make sure that whatever comes next, that we get access to, the, to those sorts of free trade agreements as right. well as once we're outside the EU. So Japan's a key one, South Korea's a, another key one. And you've said to me before as well that part of what you're doing is an education piece for for government to understand about supply chains, isn't it? Because I don't think people understand quite how complex fashion and textile supply chains Absolutely. are. I mean, there's, 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 there's a number of things that the government doesn't understand or hasn't <laughs> understood in the past. <clears throat> One of them is the complexity of the supply chains, the fact that you know maybe the yarn is made here or the fact it's made here, but then it's shipped out somewhere else to be made up into garments and it comes back and it may be using three or four different um, you know, sources of fabric. Um, the other one is that, that you know one of the things that this has given us the opportunity to do is to bang the drum about UK manufacturing. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, I was sitting in a meeting with the minister not that long ago, um, and when I told him that you know um, he, he was a keen sailor at sailor, and I was pointing out that actually quite often the keels are made from carbon fibre that are made in the UK. The sails could be made in the UK. The kit that he might be wearing on the boat could be made in the UK. You know, the sort of scales fell off his eyes. He had no idea. And I was doing my normal pieces, you know, Kate, as you know, I was, I was sitting there with my Northampton shoes, my jeans made in now. London, which yeah. I am now, my tie made in London, my UK made fabric jacket, and explaining to him that it's, it's all the stuff that I'm wearing, but it's all this other great, fantastic stuff that we do as well. So do you think the government don't think we make much here? They, they know that we make wheels and wings, don't they? Because that's what yeah. cars and... Aeroplane yeah. parts. They have absolutely no idea. And when I go down and sit down with people, and it's not just government, to be fair, it's all sorts of opinion formers, and you say, actually, we make £9.1 billion worth of product here. I know, I love that. Here in the UK, exactly. £9.1 It's enormous. You know, we, we employ over 100,000 people, up to 125,000 people when you get the the part the young self-employed people in there as well. And you talk to them about the breadth of stuff that we do. I mean, you know, even, even me, and I've been in this industry for 20, 30 years, and I was in a factory the other day, and there was some fabric being made on there, and I had no idea what it was, and they were making fabric for ballet shoes. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Oh, wow, what stuff. was that in? Yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing, which I suppose was then going to the ballet shoe company, really? Freed, who are in yeah. East London. Yeah, yeah. So oh, wow. I mean, I still, even having done Make It British for the last nine years, still find manufacturers that I didn't know. Yeah. And what you've been doing as well, haven't you, has been taking Princess Anne around quite a lot of UK we're, we're incredibly privileged that Princess Anne is our, our uh, president. Um, she's been our president for over 30 years and she loves going to visit UK manufacturing companies. So we tend to take her to about sort of 10 um, companies a year. So the recent ones we've taken to uh, uh, Gosher in London, a uh, very well-known, very high-end women's wear uh, company. She went to Goral, the footwear company, up yeah. in Sheffield recently. Uh, and last month we went to uh, the New Balance factory up in up in Cumbria. That's um, brilliant. And she she I mean she absolutely loves going to these factories. She spends a huge amount of time. She's very she's not she's very much interested in talking to the people on the factory floor. She loves hearing their stories, why they're involved. She loves that, you know, the granny might be there is working alongside the daughter and the granddaughter, all that sort of stuff. Just like the stories that I love. Absolutely. And, you know, she's absolutely fantastic at putting people at their ease. You know, I've seen her time and time again go into, I don't know, a mending room uh, and everyone's really incredibly nervous. And two minutes later, there's just cackles of laughter coming from that room. And stuff. Do they she's roll out red carpet when she arrives? Um, quite, quite often there's, you know, the, the people, you know, quite often the factory smell of fresh paint. Put it <laughs> Does she use the toilet? <laughs> well, don't know. I'll have to get some of the pictures from you of yeah. Princess Anne yeah. in some of those factories yeah. because they are great, aren't they? And she goes brilliant. Home. Absolutely brilliant. And she, she went around the New Balance factory the other day. Um, and you always, everyone has to wear safety goggles. You just have to wear safety goggles. Um, Princess Anne being Princess Anne decided that she wanted to wear her sunglasses because they would do the job just as well. Oh, brilliant. So she didn't have to because she was Princess Anne. But she still wore protective eyewear. Fantastic. Um, so one of the other great things that the UKFT does is um, apprenticeships and skills, and that's very much been a focus for yours, as yours, hasn't it, since you've taken over? Yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, in November 2017, we were appointed the sector skills body for the industry um, by the government, both in England and all the nations. What that basically means is that we are now the organisation responsible for apprenticeships and for qualifications and certification in the industry. The past year and a half or so, we've been working with a whole series of industry groups to help deliver and write new apprenticeship standards. The government changed the whole way apprenticeships were written. So we've, we've, I think we've helped with 12 of those at the moment. Um, the latest one that's just about to come on stream that was led by the British Fashion Council is the Fashion Studio Assistant. Um, but we've got one in garment making, we've got one in pattern cutting, there's a weaving one coming on stream, a dyeing one coming on stream. We work very closely with the leather industry where we've got the saddlery industry and the leather goods industries, so the likes of Mulberry together, working on one particular apprenticeship, and that's now come on stream. So we've got all sorts of very big companies like the Mulberries of this world working with quite small companies, all going, actually, we all have the same needs, the same issues. If we write the standard properly, we can attract people to the industry in all sorts of different shapes and sizes of companies. So do you know how many young people are coming into the textile industry through apprenticeship programmes every year currently? At the moment, um, there's been a dip. Um, you know, I've read about this in the press. There's been a dip in all apprenticeships that take up. That's predominantly because we were having to rewrite all the apprenticeships. There weren't that many qualifications to go on. Of those 10, 11, 12 new apprenticeship standards, the employers who write those standards, between them have committed to something like 400 young people coming on stream every year um, through those apprenticeship standards. Uh, which is fantastic. 
Um, at the moment, the biggest area, the biggest take-up of, of uh, apprenticeships is actually in Scotland. Um, is it yeah, really? So they, 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 they push very hard. They're very lucky they've got companies like Johnson's of Elgin who do their own apprenticeship scheme internally with their own company. Johnson's of Elgin, they're also the biggest employer the in biggest, textiles in the UK, aren't yeah, they? They're the biggest textile employer in the UK. Yeah. yeah. They have roughly a thousand people So 400 a year coming into the industry, is it enough? No, it's not. I mean, uh, we'd love to get more. And, and one of the projects that UKFT is working on at the moment. Um, is we, we spend a lot of time developing the standards. We spend a lot of time making sure the qualifications are appropriate. What we really want to do now is go out and do outreach work, careers promotion work with schools. Um, we did a couple of um, projects last year um, where we developed a UKFT pop-up factory that yes. we took out. Um, so we went to the uh, Festival of Making in Blackburn and then we went to the Derbyshire Careers Fair we have a pop-up factory that's got industrial sewing machines on it. We have two or three local employers and we have one of my fantastic um, skills team there talking about all the different careers in the industry, the different ways into the industry, the fact that the industry still exists and is growing. Um, I think we had something like 600 kids over the two shows actually sitting down and having a go on making things. Uh, and we got 200 of those then signed up to say that they wanted further information about how they could get into apprenticeships. So what I really like to do is to roll that out nationally, but it's an incredibly ambitious, very expensive thing to do. But that's, yeah. one, of the, what's, that's one of our ambitions, to, to try and go out to careers, fairs, to teachers, to parents, to say fashion and textiles is a great industry. There's more jobs than just being the next buyer at M&S or being next to McCartney designer. There's all sorts of fantastic jobs that have all great opportunities for all sorts of young people. So if someone's listening to this and they're a manufacturer and they want to start up, take on an apprentice, what can they do? How do they get in touch with you? The easiest way to do it is do it through the website. Um, either go to, I'm just go to ukft.org and there's a big section there on skills and training uh, or drop us an email at skillsandtraining at ukft.org um, and we will help you understand what the role is that you're trying to fill, who your local college is, because the local college has to be involved in the delivery. Um, we're also the, it's kind of fantastic, it's called an EQAP, an <laughs> external quality assurance provider, I think it is. Um, so we not only wrote them, but we're also the organisation that's responsible for the quality of delivery as well. So we can help companies understand the process, we can um, get rid of some paperwork for them, and we can also help them with the funding. Uh, if as most of our manufacturers are, are uh, employing less than 50 people, you can take on an apprentice without it costing you anything in terms of paying for the training element. You Brilliant. have to take them on as a member of staff, yeah. so you have to pay them. They have to be an employee, but um, most of the actual training element is paid for by the government. Brilliant. Okay. Um, on a lighter note then, you mentioned before that you were sitting here wearing a tie made in London and shoes made in Northampton, which you are. I can testify that to anyone listening in. Um, and you are a big fan of products that are made in the UK. And it's part of the reason I've got you on the podcast. Who are your favourite brands or manufacturers that make in the UK at this current time? Or am I asking you for well, favouritism there? <laughs> I was going to say, I, 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 what are the I, ones can I answer watch this as a massive consumer? Of course you can, as yes. As a massive consumer, um, as I think anyone who's heard me speak, um, I'm a huge fan of Hyatt Denim. I'm a huge fan of denim. So I have a collection of Hyatt Denim. I have a collection of Black Horse Lane Denim, which we made here in London, I've been wearing today. Um, 
and I've got some Dawson denim as well. Um, so I'm a huge denim fan. Um, I'm a particular fan at the moment in terms of brands that are using UK manufacturing. Peregrine, fantastic brand, yeah. um, really um, great menswear. Um, Universal Works, doing quite a lot of their stuff is made in the UK. Um, no, a lot of this is menswear bias because Your guess man, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know all of the, the, the footwear um, boys. Again, I'm a huge fan of uh, UK made um, footwear. But there's all sorts of you know there's all sorts of uh, companies out there making for all sorts of different ends of the market. So I mean, one of our manufacturers based here in London is making jumpers for Givenchy. You know, Re- oh, um, so there's all yeah. that sort of end of the market yeah. as well, where you might not know it as a consumer, but you're you're buying stuff. Again, you know, some of the some of the dresses that we'll see going down. Um, London Fashion Week uh, over this forthcoming weekend will have been made here in the UK as well. So just because it doesn't have a, a manufacturer brand name to it doesn't mean it's not made here in the UK. And actually that's a really good point with London Fashion Week and the fact that so many of the designers use small sample houses, don't they, in London. In fact, there's a whole kind of, um, yeah, there's a lot of, of manufacturers. There is, there's a big ecosystem here in London yeah. making for that high-end Yeah. Market. So uh, back to Brexit again, then one of the challenges is obviously how um, how many people with sewing skills there are in London who come from outside of the UK because they've still been taught sewing in their own countries Absolutely. and how that might affect things like London Fashion Week if these people with the skills stop coming. Because as you said, we can't train up the apprentices fast enough. Absolutely. So... It's you know What's it is one of the key issues. Uh, well, I mean, one of the, it is one of the key problems. I mean, if you take the London manufacturing scene, it might surprise some of your listeners to know that thirteen and a half thousand machinists are employed in London making fashion. Thirteen and a half thousand just within London. Um, anecdotally, um, from our research and our visiting of, of companies. We estimate that about seventy percent of those are come from Eastern Europe. Yeah, I would probably say the same. Yeah. Um, so you know they are highly skilled, um, very dedicated, fantastic um, assets to the, to the manufacturers. Most of those will have been here over five years, which is the key um, magic tipping point. That means that they can stay here. Um, the government have just removed the cost for applying for um, staying here permanently, but we do have a opportunity now to focus on reaching out to schools, reaching out to other parts of the community where there are latent skills to say, actually, there are great jobs here and we, you know, there are great opportunities for you here. It will be hard, you know, it'll be a difficult slog, um, but there are opportunities in manufacturing. There were opportunities before Brexit and there's certainly opportunities post-Brexit. We've just got to work hard collectively to make sure that we uh, take full advantage of them. We do indeed. Adam, thank you very much. My absolute pleasure. Always fantastic to hear your industry insights. And I didn't know, what was that figure again for the amount of people working in London? 13,500. That's more than I thought it was. That is amazing. Right, thank you very much. Thank you. And where is that tie from? Uh, finish? This is a Drake's tie. Drake's tie, yeah, which I've been to their factory. It's in Shoreditch, yeah. isn't it? And hand sewn. Absolutely. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much thank for your time today, Adam. Oh, and where can people find you, actually? What's, what's the address for your website? www.ukft.org. Brilliant. I'll put all the links in the show notes. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. If you're interested in discovering UK manufacturers from the fashion, textiles and homeware sectors, you should definitely come to our trade show, Make It British Live. 
The next event is taking place on the 29th and 30th of May 2019 at the Business Design Centre in London. With over 200 exhibitors, inspiring talks just like the ones you've been listening to on this podcast and interactive workshops, it's the perfect place to network with others that want to see UK manufacturing thrive again. Registration is now open. Just go to makeitbritishlive.com forward slash register to register for a free ticket. If you're a British-made manufacturer or brand and want to find out how your business can benefit from being involved in the show, just visit makeitbritishlive.com forward slash exhibit, fill out a short questionnaire and one of my team will get straight back to you. To reach out to me personally, the best place to do this is via LinkedIn. Just look up Kate Hills and you'll find me. You'll also find me on Twitter at Make It British and Instagram at Make It British too. For all show notes for these podcasts, just go to makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash podcast and you'll find all the details. And make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing in iTunes, Stitcher or whichever is your preferred podcast app. And I really would love it if you left me a little review on iTunes. The more reviews this podcast receives, the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the UK. Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye.